we are going to be uh, looking at uh, a couple of different uh, Bible verses, and they'll be, they'll be up on screen, but the first part that we're going to be looking at is Luke chapter 19. We looked at it a little bit last week, we're just going to delve a little bit of thought from that, so that's Luke chapter 19, if you want to open your Bibles or turn, turn them on, but in do so, we're going to just, before we begin, we're going to pray. So Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, and God, we pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you continue to have your way? God, we, God, we pray, may your Spirit just give us fresh revelation of your grace, of your mercy, of who you are. God, we want to encounter you this morning. God, we pray, Lord, would you speak through your word, speak through your Spirit, speak into our hearts, into our innermost beings, and God, we pray, Lord, would you change us? God, I pray... As always, if anything that's of me, Lord, may it be forgotten, may it be blown away in the wind, Lord, but everything that's from you, Lord, would it resound in our hearts? Would it permeate us? Would it transform us into being more like you? In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be uh, starting off in Luke 19. There's a, the theme of this morning is stuck. I don't know if any of you have felt stuck stagnant, perhaps you felt like you should be moving, you should be getting somewhere, you should be going somewhere, and it just seems to be going, life just seems to be going round in circles. And so we're going, I'm going to delve this out from Luke 19, and we're going to go from there. And Luke 19 says, from verse, from verse 28, it says, and then he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, and at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If you, anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. It's one of the things that I was pondering over last week while I was preparing for last week's talk is that actually, and we won't just stay with a donkey, we're going to be moving on to different characters and nations because there's many people and characters in the Bible that at some point get stuck and we, I think we can relate to that, can't we? Uh, but you have this donkey who, this cult who, we know animal, animals are just born free. Perhaps the, the, that donkey was supposed to be helping uh, the owner move stuff, carrying loads, doing stuff. Uh, it, should be, uh, it should be moving. It should be active. It should be achieving something. It should be accomplishing something. But yet, through no fault of its own, it's tied up to a post. It's tied up. And I don't know about you, but have you ever perhaps sat on, you've gone to the airport, you've waited in, the, you've waited in that line, and it's that one of those Mr. Bean scenes, isn't it, where you're just like, and, you, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you, get, you go through the checkout, so you go through, you get your bags scanned, and then you think, okay, finally, you're boarding the plane, you're, buck, you're, you're, you're strapped in, and it's all, there's always one family, isn't it, that's late. 
and they've got all the bags, and they're like, excuse me, and they're trying to find stuff, and you're just like, come on, we should be moving, and, you know, they're trying to find space, and they're dropping all their shopping, the that they bought from the duty floor, uh, duty free floor, duty free all over the floor, and they try and grab it up, and, and you're just like, come on, we just want to get going, we just want to get going, we've got a deadline, and you see that, and they're finding, and they're finally sit down, and you're just like, And the plane starts to move, and you're starting to see the airport, and you're thinking, okay, I can just, I can just relax, and, you, and you're there. And next thing you know, you get the, and he's like, why have we stopped? And you're looking out the window, and then you see that dreaded sight, don't you? All the planes lined up towards the runway, and the snacks that you had prepared, lined up for the flight, slowly, one by one, begins to get eaten. <laughs> the time goes past, you know, five, ten minutes go past, go, it's okay, I've got this, we can just listen to some music, it's fine, it's okay. Fifteen minutes goes past, twenty minutes goes past, and you start looking at the clock, looking around, and you start, going, and you start messaging, because you start messaging, a little bit of delay, but it should be okay, and then half hour goes past, and you're thinking, oh, and all the snacks have gone, the drink that you bought for the flight is totally gone. Anyone, anyone, anyone else been in that situation? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's sometimes, I mean, sometimes, and then finally, you even get to the, if you get that little movement, and he's like, thank, thank, he's like, thank you, God. You start, you start going into spiritual warfare, you start going to tongues, you've got your worship thing going on. No, it's just me, okay. And he's like, you're rebuking the devil, you say, come on, air control, come on. And, and, and so, because you're in something, that should be going some, somewhere really fast because you've got a destination to get to, but yet you're stuck. You're not going anywhere. You're tired up. You're stranded. And eventually, you get to that one way, get to the one way bit. And I've said this before I love a good takeoff, I love a bit of the turbulence going up. And it's that, and it's that finally, you're off in the end. It's like, at last. And then, but you might get the other end as you get in your luggage, but it won't go into that. But you find yourself in situations, sometimes it's, it's not your fault that you are in a situation that you haven't planned for, you haven't um, prepared for. It just happens. You're stuck. And we find that many times in our life that we get to this place where we are just stuck. Sometimes it's though... Um, if you, if you move the analogy on the, that the nation of Israel that Jesus was uh, going to Jerusalem to, to, he was going to kind of set free, he was going to say, do you know what, I'm going to set you free, I'm going to come up and be a sacrifice. They didn't get it, and their hearts were hardened, but it goes all the way back, you can trace that all, you know, all the way back to when they're in Egypt, they're slaves, and, they cut, and God is bringing them out of Egypt. And yet, a small distance travel, you've only got six, six days travel, not far, to, to you reach your destination, to you reach your promised land, that's all you've got. But yet, because of their attitude, because they're grumbling, because of... Um, I that's a point too. It's, it's like sometimes you think, sometimes like you're just an incomplete. It's like you, you've got God with you, and they're building golden calves at the bottom of the mountain. Just like, what are you thinking? And the person who's doing it is supposed to be the high priest. 
great one. But yet, because of what their attitudes and because sometimes the things that we, sometimes we make uh, a choice, we make a decision that at the time it felt good. We enjoyed it. We knew perhaps it might not be quite be the right thing, but we've, we've gone down that alley, we've gone down that route and we've justified it and we've gone and over time, God will give you a warning. He'll, he'll just say, do, do you know what? You need, you need, and he'll do it in your quiet time. He'll just say, okay, you just need to sort that out. He might do it from a word and you're thinking, okay, God, I know you're speaking to me. Sort that out. But if you don't sort it out, then he gets other people to come and say, you know what? You need to change. And it makes it a little bit more public. And, but sometimes people just go, keep going and keep going and keep going and keep digging and digging and digging. And even though God is gracious and merciful and will journey with that person. He might not agree with what we do and end up doing, but he is there with us because he makes that promise, never will I forsake you, never will I leave you, I'll be with you always. But he won't be agreeing, he won't be condoning what you're doing, but he'll help you get out of it. And we find ourselves, we're surrounded by people who we've said we'll never be surrounded ourselves by. We find ourselves in situations that we've, that we've declared to ourselves that we'd never go down and we end up some of the decisions that we make, whether it's bad decisions, whether it's the, where it's, whatever you want to call it, sinful desires, or, or whatever, 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 whatever you got, it's, it's led you down to a path and where you should be seeing progress, you end up walking around and years of your life just seems to be wasted. And it's like, I should be moving somewhere, I should be going somewhere, I just can't get past it. There should be a breakthrough. And sometimes it's simply because God's waiting for that character to change. I can't take you into where I'm supposed to be leading you to because the character isn't right. Which fits, which fits also with Jonah. I think Jonah is absolutely, there's parts of Jonah I think is absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Shall we read it? So go for it. Okay, if you want to go to Jonah, and we're going to go for uh, chapter 3, and we're going to go, 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 go from, verse six, from verse 6. And bear in mind, Jonah, we, know, we, know the story, we know the story of Jonah. We know that God tells him to do something. He doesn't want to do it, so he legs it. Uh, spends three days in the belly of a large fish, whale, whatever you want to call it. Gets spat out. And... God tells him, you, know, you need to go to Nineveh. And we pick out, so in chapter 3, verse 6, it says, the words reached the king of Nineveh. So he's gone in and he said, and, uh, and he's proclaimed what God has told him to do. And the words from verse 6 says, the word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in the ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through, uh, through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that he may not perish. When God saw 
in verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, he relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Then chapter 4, this, this is amazing. Have you read this before? <laughs> but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. The prophet of God didn't want Nineveh to be saved. He didn't want them to turn around. He, look, he even says this. It says, um, he has seen me ang- angry, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is, is, uh, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I, when I was yet in my country, that this is why I made haste to flee for Tarshish? For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord's got this cheeky bit of sense of humor and he says, Do you do well to be angry? It's like, Is your anger right? And he, Jonah, Jonah's like, Quiet. And we know he, kind of, he goes off, the, the oil, cast oil plant comes up and the worm eats it, and we pick it up from verse 8. And when the, when the worm's eating it, Jonah, Jonah says, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah says, yes, I do do well to be angry. Enough to die. And you have this guy who God has sent to Nineveh, the capital. It's three days' walk from, it, from end, for end to end. To proclaim, to proclaim a message, to, to change the hearts of the people. But because he doesn't want, want God to bring kindness and mercy and love, he wants his own judgment on that city. I'm not going to do that. He ends up legging it. He's not afraid of them. He's not scared. He just doesn't want God's mercy. He's like, why should they receive God's mercy? Why should they, why should they receive God's love? There's resentment. There's bitterness. Bit of mental health, <laughs> a lot of suicidal thoughts there. It's out of proportion, isn't it? But yet, he finds himself stuck in the belly of a whale simply because he doesn't want to see the goodness of God given to other people who he doesn't seem deemed fit. How many times have we gone down a route and we said, God, not your will be done, but my will be done. I want things done my way. I'm waiting for things to be done my way. And God's like, that's not the way it goes. And so sometimes we can find ourselves running from stuff because God's told us to do stuff and we don't want to do it because wherever it's like, why should they people do it? Why, what? They, don't, they, don't deserve, they don't deserve that. And God's saying, I gave you grace. I want to give other people grace. Why should you have a chance and why shouldn't other people have a chance? And so sometimes we can find ourselves in limbo because God's called us to do something and we almost say, I do do well. I'm going to do my own thing. It tickles my sense of humor. Perhaps 
Perhaps you're one of these people who, do you know, you're just a fighter. It doesn't, what, if something happens to the family, you're fighting it. If something comes your way, you're, you're fighting it. If it's two o'clock in the morning and other people have got issues, they, they're the ones who ring you up and say, I've got this issue because they want you to fight, they want you to solve the issue, they want you to fix the issue for them. And they don't realise that necessarily you've got issues of your own. They don't realise that you might be going through a crisis when they rang, but they expect you to be there 24, they, they expect you to be there 24-7 at a drop of a hat. They'll phone you, they'll text you, they'll message you. And if you haven't, and if you haven't replied within five minutes, they start saying, what's wrong? Don't you like me? And, and you start anything, you have to do all the, all the commotion. But there's people then bring you into fights that you, you, don't, you don't even have anything to deal with. And they'll bring you into the fight just because they know that you can fight. You ever get that? And same with people, people perhaps, they ask you for wisdom, they ask you for uh, advice, and it's just constant, it's constant, and you can't, it feels like you're constantly batting, you're constantly doing this, and you, and you feel like, you know what, I should be getting somewhere, but I'm just tired. And the same thing you could say for Elijah. Elijah's there. He's outrun, he's outrun chariots. He's got to be tired. He's fought and come against hundreds of the Baal uh, f- uh, false prophets, and he's won. He's tired. He's been fighting. He's been, he's been, he's been praying. He's been relying on, relying on God. There's been a huge contest. The tension's been there. And then Jezebel comes. And Jezebel is Ahab's wife. Ahab is the king of, of Judah, and he's married. Uh, Jezebel is, is foreign, she's come in, and she's brought her idols, brought Baal into it. And she turns around, and she's got, the ear of the, she's got the ear of the king. Be careful who you let you listen to. And she says to Elijah, I'm going to kill you this day. And he's tired. And so he does a runner. He likes it. He's just taking, you know, he's just been there and he's just witnessed God come down, consume the sacrifice, consume the stones, consume the water. He's been there. He's seen God's glory, which we'd all love to see. He's seen it firsthand. And someone just turns around to him, who's not even near him, and says, I'm going to kill you. And so he likes it. And sometimes when you just, you know what, I'm fighting my battle over here. I'm trying to fight this battle over here. I'm trying to find this battle over here. And all the stuff seems to be coming. And, you know, and I'm just exhausted. I'm not surprised you're exhausted. What is God's solution for Elijah? In 1 Kings, in 1 Kings, we'll go from, uh, we'll go from 1 Kings 19, we'll go from verse 14, he says, 1 Kings 19 from verse 
1, yeah, 1 Kings 19 from verse 4. Um, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom, broom tree. And he asked that he might die. Again, tired, exhaustion, lack of perspective. Mental issues, suicidal thoughts coming, exhaustion, he's tired, not thinking properly. It is enough now, O Lord, to take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And then he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, and there was at his head a cake, a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of the food for 40 days and for 40 nights. At first, God says, you just need to rest. Have a kip. Get some grub down you. You're exhausted. But when you're a fighter... Sometimes you have the bit of the superhero complex and you're just like, you feel guilty for resting. Because people need you. Not only that, when you do decide to then get a rest, I'm just going to have an afternoon by myself. I'm going to have a day by myself. People then put guilt and shame onto you. Why are you having a rest? Why are you doing, why are you doing that? You should be helping me. You don't get paid to do that. And they put guilt and shame on you because all they've got is their blinkers. They don't understand you. They don't understand you've been fighting. You're tired. You perhaps you put your, you've put um, condemnation and guilt and shame. You're like, I should never be tired. I should be fit. I should be strong. I should be, you know, I'm always, I'm always good. Things are always good. I have no problems. And actually deep down inside, you know what? You're just tired and exhausted. And you just need to sleep, get some rest. And we know for Elijah, he carries on, he goes into a cave and the wind comes, the earthquake happens, the fire comes and, and God, we know, and we know from the verses, God says, no, God isn't in all of, in all of that. And then he hears this small whisper. And he recognizes it's God. And, in ver- and, and time and time again, and you can see it in verse uh, 19, verse 9, he says, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? I wonder if he's asking some of us the same question. What are you doing here? Bear in mind he knows the answer to the question. He knows it. But why is he asking it? Because when you're tired, when you're exhausted, it feels like you're stuck, you can't get out, you don't know if you have the strength to fight your way out. He gives you a fresh perspective. 
a fresh composure. Whose strength are you doing it in? Is it your way or is it my, str- my strength? The donkey's all tied up. What does Jesus say to the, uh, to the guy? Say, if someone asks you why to untie it, say, I have need of it. You're tired, you're exhausted, you've been fighting all the battles. And sometimes God just says, that's natural. Even in a boxing match, they have three, minute, three minutes break before going back in again because you can't keep going at that pace forever. You'll burn out. And God knows that. And so he says, eat, sleep, get a fresh perspective. Let me speak to you. I don't need to shout. I just need to whisper. Do you know his whisper? Do you need to relax? God's got it under control. You don't need to fight everyone's battles because if you're fighting everyone else's battles, you're probably not fighting the battles that God's called you to do. And your energy is being spent on other things and you're not focusing and so you're not accomplishing and you're not achieving and there's nothing wrong with helping people out. There's nothing wrong with looking after people. But ultimately, sometimes you can just say, do you know what? I'm just going to pray for you because I know God can sort it. Because actually, I need to, God's called me to go this way. But we'll pray. If someone rings you up at 2 o'clock in the morning and saying, do you know, I've got this issue. It's like, well, how long have you had this issue? 22 years, well, I'm not going to fix it overnight. <laughs> It'll still be there in the morning. Give us a ring in the morning. Get some sleep. I'll ring you in a couple of days. Go pray about it. I'll ring you in a couple of days. You pray about it. I pray about it. A couple of days, I'll, ri- I'll ring you back. Ring you back in a couple of days. You never guess what. It all sorted itself out. But sometimes when people in the, in the fight, in the emergency, they have lack of perspective. God is in control. Perhaps we'll come back to Elijah, but we go on to Elisha. Elisha, Elisha, Elisha from 1 Kings 19, and go on from 1 Kings 19, 19. And he says, so Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Jephthah who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and who was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and he, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what I have done, for what I have done to you. And he returned from following him, and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes, uh, yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and then they ate. Then he rose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Have you ever been in that situation where you've just been doing things t- for a while now? 
Elisha, wealthy family, he's got there's like 12 yoke of oxen. He's not afraid of a good hard day's work. It's not a great, it's not a great work. You're walking, behind, you're walking to the side and behind some oxen. You're stepping in what they're stepping in. It's hard work. It's in the heat of the day. You're breaking up the ground. You're trying to keep them straight. You're working with the rest of the team and you're plowing fields all day long. That is a hard day's graft. It's bumpy. There's stones, there's twigs, there's, there's clay that you've got to try and get through and you have to reverse and, and come back. And You're there and all day long you're following something that's dumb. You ever felt like that? And you've got, he's going backwards and forwards and he's in control, he's leading, but at the end of the day he's following something that's dumb. Have you ever felt like you're following something that's just dumb? You should have worked for the council. And that's what happened to me. It's like six years. I'm just like working, it's like working for a council. I'm working for a council. And you're doing, going backwards and forwards. And it's like, God, have you felt that you're doing something, but inside you, there feels like something's more. And you're going backwards and forwards. And it's the same routine day out. I'm just plowing the fields. And yeah, it's, just, and it's blistering hot. And you're going backwards and forwards. And you're trying not to step on the, the muck. And, you know, but yet, yeah, in that moment, Elisha, his character, he's put himself on the same level as the rest of the servants. He doesn't see himself as high above. He's from a wealthy family. He's got 12 yokes, but yet he's working the fields. He's developing. He's getting, he's getting his character right. He's perhaps waiting for his father to pass away, and perhaps he's the heir, and he'll receive what is part. So he's working the fields, and he's saying to himself, "Do you know what? One day, all this might be my mine. But at this moment in time, I am plowing. But yet, there's something, perhaps inside him, perhaps there's something inside of us that we're doing things day in, day out, and it's just like, do you know what? I'm sure God's called me to something more." And you keep doing it and you keep plowing. And for myself, I had to wait in this council for six years. When you're stuck, when you're stagnant, when you're not producing anything, we all have time limits, don't we? I mean, if he hasn't proposed to you yet, how long do you give him? There's time, there's, you know, I, I'm supposed to be meeting someone, I'm supposed to be meeting someone, meeting someone but I've got, I've got things, to, things to do. How long do you wait? I'm busy, I've got time to do. How long do I stay in this job? You know, I should have had promotion two or three times, but they keep giving promotions to the other people around, around me. I can't wait till I'm 60 to get promotion. If I don't get promotion in the next, what, how? And we sometimes we do that, say, if I don't get promotion in the next, what, three or four years, that's me gone. There's a time limit. We put time limit, we put time limit on things. We get, frustrated. we get frustrated when we're stagnant. We get frustrated, we get irritated when we're stagnant. We're not producing because we feel like, you know, our lives, and rightly so, that God's called us for something, that we should be doing something more, we should be accomplishing something. And it's frustrating when, we don't seem to be producing on the scale that we think that we should be producing. And it gets frustration sits in, resentment sits in, 
not only that, after a while, the embarrassment sets in because it's bad enough that you know that you're in this bit of a lull period. But then when other people start noticing, and they're like, yeah, come on, I'll give you a lift. Jump in, skip, mind the McDonald's, mind the, mind the flowy cups, and you're having to, I've just been busy, and you start making excuses because you're in this... And it's embarrassing because you know, but then you know that they know that you know <laughs> that you are in a state of actually, I should be moving somewhere, but I just don't seem to be. And so frustration, frustration kicks in. Anger kicks in. Resentment to God kicks in. The guilt kicks in. Surely I shouldn't be in this bit of a, a lull. Surely there's got to be something more than this. Hasn't there? And sometimes it's just recognizing the season. Each season, summer, Autumn, winter, spring, every single season is just as important as the other season. You can't be in summer all your life. You'll burn out. You get, it's not possible. And sometimes it's recognizing that little voice that God says, like, is it a case of, actually, have I got myself into this situation because I'm running away? Do I need to change? Sometimes God will put, will put you in a place and it's a temporary place. And, it's a, and you know it's a temporary place and sometimes it feels like a temporary place. But sometimes where it's like the Israelites' attitudes then is not quite right. Sometimes he puts you in a place to learn stuff before he promotes you. There's no point saying, I, I just want that manager role, I just want this role. If your character, if you can't learn before you get the promotion, you'll go crash and burn. And so if you don't know God's voice in the quiet place, if you don't know that you are loved, if you don't know that he's given you gifts and abilities, if you don't know that you are chosen, you are his, you are a royal priesthood, if you don't have the confidence of, yes, you have gifts and abilities in a humble way, if you don't know the, the basics and you don't believe them down to your core, when he then promotes you and things then start coming against you, you start fleeing. You start, you start running. The ego gets out of hand because you, you start to think, it's all about me when it's not. It's all about God. And so he puts you in the places and the situations to say, okay, I need you to learn. Perhaps this is how you manage people well. Can you look after these small group of people that you're looking after? Can you handle the money securely? Can I trust you with the money? Can I trust you with not having a big ego about promoting yourself about not promoting, not necessarily just bigging yourself all the time. Can you lift others up to your standards? 
Can you encourage them? Can you train them? Can you push people beyond yourself? Can you set other people free? Or do you have to be controlling because you don't want other people to do better than yourself? What are the lessons that we find ourselves in? For myself, of the council, I've told it many, many times, pornography is rife. They'll be watching porn, pornography during the lunch break. They'll have the TV on, it'll be on in the corner. They'll be chatting. That's tough. Because you're trying to have a conversation at the corner of your eye. You're seeing stuff which you don't really want to be seeing. Stealing's rife. You want a bag of compost? Not just one? I can get you five. We'll just add it onto the next order. The council will pay for it. Just come at a certain time, we'll just give it to you. Bring your car, it's fine. You want some plants? These plants are a bit extra. They're not going to go anywhere. They're going to be perhaps thrown, but don't worry, don't, don't say, just come at this time, we'll give you... People throwing other people underneath the bus. The people who are there, t t I don't know if I told you this story, there were these two guys, and they went out every... Uh, every, they had to cut this hedge that took them two weeks and they have to do it every, every, every three or four months because of the, how fast it grows. And so they would be going off. But these two guys, they didn't know that they're both sick on the same day because they didn't communicate. And so, they, so when two new people came into the company, they were like, okay, we want you guys to cut this hedge because it needs to start. The guys go out to the site and they're like, They ring up the bosses, this hedge that normally takes two weeks to cut, top and both sides, wasn't there. <laughs> it's a housing resort. It hadn't been there for five years. So for five years, these two guys, every three months, have just sat in their van doing zip and being paid for it. Integrity. It's hilarious that they got away with it. Surely I would have been checking the plans going, really? But for five years, this, this hedge wasn't there. Two weeks holiday, virtually an extra two weeks holiday they got. They listened to the radio, they did, did, did things. It was so hilarious. Everyone was furious, but everyone was just like, do you know what, it's funny at the same time. But they got away with it. Integrity. Can God give you and trust you with what you got, or is there a bit of a... And so sometimes some things are meant to be stepping stones, but they don't turn into a stepping stone, they turn into more of a holding because God is saying, I need you to learn this. Because if you don't learn it, it's harder for you. You won't cope later on down the line. There's this almost like what the business terms and people say, it's upscaling in the in the quiet in those quiet times. Learning bettering yourself, honoring, but when you do it you're, honoring, you're honouring God in order that he can trust you with what he's going to give you. But it's also in, the tough in, the, in those tough times saying, God, what's happening is to remember he still, he still has need of you. He still has need of you. No matter where you are, 
on the journey, no matter what you find yourself in, no matter what situation you find yourself in, whether stuck, unstuck, God has need of you. And he doesn't want you stuck. He doesn't want you stuck. He wants you moving forward. He wants you accomplishing things, not for not just for your glory, but ultimately it gives him glory, it gives him praise. The trouble is, sometimes we can outrun what other people think about us, but we can never outrun our thoughts about ourselves. Elijah, Jonah, faulty belief systems. You can stand and you can be telling someone who doesn't know anything about God and saying, you know, God loves you, God cares for you, he's got plans for you, and you can tell him all this, but yet inside, still say, I don't know if he loves me. I don't know if he cares for me. And it's not only in those stressful situations like Jonah and Elijah, when you get in those stress, it's a bit like, it's a bit like toothpaste. No matter what's inside of you, when you squeeze it, it's going to come out. Whether you realize it or not, we're in the heat of a moment in, in an argument. Whatever's inside of you will come out. And sometimes we live our lives with, faulty, with a faulty belief system. Sometimes with anxiety, with anxiety, God's just abandoned me. He's just left me here. Perhaps God's called you to do something and fear has gripped you. You want to do it, but fear has absolutely gripped you. It's almost like you can't move. I'm fear of letting people, other people down. I'm not going to do what God's called me to do because I'm fearful of what other people might say. I'm not going to do what God was called me to do because not only am I fearful, perhaps I don't know how to manage it. It's, big, it's bigger than me. I'm fearful of the project. I'm fearful of the responsibility. I'm happy where, I'm happy where I am. Why do I want to do that? I'm fearful that I'm just a mistake. I have a fear of failing. To the perfectionists out there, who else has got a fear of failing? I like to do things right. If I can't do it right, why bother? So I'm not going to bother. You have a fear. So you don't move forward. You don't, even though God's called you, and it's almost like you can hear the whisper outside the cave, but you won't move because your fear has struck you. Even though you hear God's voice, the enemy's fear is more stronger in you than God's love in you. You're more fearful of other people than you are of God. And so we stay, we're frozen. It's almost like out of, out of nowhere...
And sometimes it feels like, <laughs> just tickle my sense of humor, because it feels like sometimes, you know, uh, it feels like you're there and you got, caught, you got caught in headlights and you just freeze. Well, that happened to me this morning. Well, well not, but not to me, but to the pigeon. It's there, doing its own, it's there doing its own thing in the road, and I'm, dri- and I'm driving, and there's a whole flock of them, uh, but this one pigeon just uh, uh, d- doesn't see, he's too busy focusing, then he sees the, says, sees the car, goes, hit it. But I know. Pigeon killer. But, it's, but, it's just like, but sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? That we're caught in headlights, something's coming, something, but we're caught in headlights, so we just freeze, and we can't move. That's a good thing that you're going to be taken away today, isn't it? He killed a pigeon. <laughs> but fear can hold us back. Anxiety, anxiety. Do you know what they say about fear? They say fear is false evidence appearing real. Elijah was saying, Do you know what? This woman wants to kill, this woman wants to kill me within 24 hours, yet when he's saying this, 24 hours has passed. She hasn't accomplished what she said she'd do. God has kept him safe. But you're still fearing about what this person has said. Some of the things that you're scared of when you're four or five years old, you don't have to be scared of anymore. Elijah had the courage to confront other people's faulty belief systems, but he didn't have the courage to face his own. God had to do it. But I want to suppose to you guys, what happens if you're not a waste of space? What happens if you have got gifts and abilities? Pardon the expression. But what happens if you're not the black sheep of the family? As they used to. What happens if there is some good in you? That you can achieve things. That when the teachers and when the people around you said, you won't accomplish anything, you won't be anything. Perhaps, and you believe that, and you haven't even... You haven't written it down on paper, you haven't said it, but it's been like an oath. I was like, I'll never become anything. What faulty belief systems have you got that's stopping you accomplishing what God has called you to do? Perhaps you're from past abuse, past hurt. You're scared to commit because you're scared of, I don't want to go back to how it was, so I'm not going to commit. Even though I'm passionate about this, I'm not going to commit to it because I'm afraid of what's going to, what's going to happen so I'm going to project onto it. So I'm going to justify myself in staying here. Do we need some healing to take place? Do we need some rest? Do we need to eat? Do we need to sleep? Do we need God to speak to us and say, what are you doing here? 
stop fearing. It might seem like I'm away from you like a donkey. The donkey's in another village, but God still sees it. Still has a plan for it. It says, I still have need of it. And more, what's more? I'm going to ride on the donkey and bring peace to a city, to a people. I wonder, does God want to journey with you to bring peace and freedom to the people around you? Into your workplace, to your next door neighbours, into your family, into your soul. He sees you. He hears you. He has need of you. You're not forgotten. He has not abandoned you. He's with you every single step of the way. What do we do? Trust. Let go of the hurt, the blame, the judgmental side like Jonah. Not my will, but your will be done. Instead of cursing the enemy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for them and pray a blessing upon them. And he says that to the nation of Israel as they go off to Babylon. And he says, pray for your nation, do good, help the land grow, bring a different culture, keep your hands clean, keep your heart right, show love, show mercy. Where there's things are not right, change them. Learn to deal with our anger. Learn to deal with our self-control. Learn to deal with and to change our attitudes to reflect him. And as we spoke about a few weeks ago, being connected to the vine, Stay connected. You will produce fruit. You will produce fruit. Stay connected.